Here to discuss all things NRL, AFL, and anything sports related. Please give a warm Aussie g'day to the footy fanatic and America's own Corey Jackson in Outside the Sheds. Greetings, salutations, and welcome back to Outside the Sheds. Shedheads, it has been too long. I cannot believe that my last episode was on June 8th. And I told you at that time when I went off on my gallivant, my my walkabout, as some would say, or my vacation, as others would say, and I went up to the College World Series, I was not planning on being gone this long. I was planning on being gone for a couple of weeks and then being back in your headsets, on your computers, in your head and in your ears sooner than expected, right? Two weeks. Good. Right back. Shedadamas is back. I'll be back by Origin 2. We're good to go, right? Well, let's not get into that right now because as I was gone on my sabbatical uh, up at the College World Series, watching some college baseball, I ended up running into a, a person some of us have run into before. I should say not a person, but an individual. Something that's, how should I say, swallowed up a lot of our lives. Something that's not really a joke by any means. But I had my first brush with COVID. And and then I had my first brush with COVID turned into Mrs. Shedadamas flying up and getting her first brush with COVID. Now, let's talk about this briefly. I got exposed uh, to a, from probably an individual that I'm pretty close to and, and probably where I was staying at. Um, and... It was really strange because I tested negative for two days. I, I tested negative one day and, and told Mrs. Shedadamas that I was testing negative. And her being a medical professional, she still came up. Why wouldn't you? Wouldn't you miss this guy? Um, but I tested negative again on Friday. So I tested negative on Thursday. I tested negative on Friday. And then on Saturday, after feeling a little strange when I was working out on Friday, really stiff and sore, kind of feeling like I had done two days or something like that, on Saturday, I was getting ready to go work out again, and the championship games started Saturday night, and I took my final uh, COVID test and went to the refrigerator to get my pre-workout going, and Mrs. Shedadamas goes, well, that's a little strange, and I turned around and guess who had tested positive for COVID, even though I felt like I said, better than I had felt on Friday. Uh, and my think the the powers that be, the man upstairs, whatever you want to see, say, excuse me, um, my only, I guess, ailment I had from the whole thing was I had a little bit of a stiff neck and my shoulders felt beyond cramped and, and sore. They just felt like I'd just done a power lift or something like that and never stretched. And that only lasted for about two days or a day and a half or whatever. Uh, and that was it. That's all I had. I I didn't really get a cough. Uh, I didn't lose my sense of smell. I didn't lose my sense of taste. I I just kind of kind of moved on to just saying I had to isolate and stay away from other people because I had COVID. Right. Um, it was not the same for Mrs. Jedidamas because she started feeling a little bad Saturday night. Sunday she started feeling even worse, and then she fought fevers. Uh, of 101.5, extreme uh, stiffness, soreness, um, was really fatigued. Uh, It wasn't good, Shedheads. It was not good whatsoever. And and, um, she she got me a little concerned when she asked me what to do if if her heart would stop. That always makes you and wakes you up a little bit. But then on Wednesday, when we were supposed to be driving back to our home, Uh, She got bad Tuesday night again, and so I actually got the antiviral for COVID for her, and it was pretty damn incredible, to put it plain and simple, because within two hours, she went from having a fever and not feeling good to almost feeling normal, besides her cough. And I don't know if I've ever seen something flip somebody so quickly. Uh, I was happy for that. Because we still had to drive, you know, 14 hours, 13 hours, whatever, back the next day. But that was pretty impressive. And um, like I said, medicine is crazy. 
I'm a person that believes in science and medicine. So, um, you know, I so that's that's kind of how great my vacation turned out. I I got COVID, and then we got back, and again I I missed another recording date, and then I just took some time to recover and make sure she was feeling good and. So that was for the long delay why uh, Outside the Sheds has not been in production and has not been um, released since, uh, I guess, June 8th was my last episode. So we're back. We're feeling great. Feel normal. Felt normal, like I said, two days after allegedly testing positive. But uh, I just wanted to kind of tell you guys that, that COVID is still out there. Uh, no matter what people say and try to tell you that it's over, it's over. Well, this is not state of origin, folks. This is still a virus that's still out there, and, and I had my first run-in with it. And think whatever being you want to think, uh, it does not affect me, knock on wood, the way it does others. Because a lot of people have not been as fortunate as myself, and and I got to see the opposite watching uh, my wife battle with it. So, uh Thanks again for sticking with me, being patient for the next episode. But after all that breakdown of my fun and festivity, which was not really a vacation whatsoever, let's get into this. Let's do it what we do, and let's start reporting and talking about the sports we love. And let's start it off with a 40-20. So we had a really reduced schedule last week because State of Origin Game 3. Uh, and it started off with the Sharkies taking on the Storm. The Sharks win a big one, 28-6, and they break out Celebration Month, raising good money for charity, and the Sharkies broke it all out, a little gritty, uh, a lot of different things. I, I, I do think that I will never get that image out of my mind of watching Braley doing the gritty, but uh, that was some fun stuff. Uh, but the Sharks get a big, big, big victory over a Storm team that we're going to talk in more detail back about here shortly. Rabbitohs 40, Knights 28. Uh, Kenner gets a treble uh, and leads the Bunnies. And I'm going to say, uh, no matter if, if Kalen Ponga wasn't in the side or not, the Knights really, really put up a fight. Uh, they really showed a lot of heart. Uh, I know they're not getting the results they, they won up in Newcastle. Uh, but they did show, uh, you know, something. And, and and that's unlike some teams out there. We won't talk about the West Tigers right now. Eels 28, Tigers 20. Wait a second. We are going to talk about the West Tigers right now. Wests go up 12 nothing, And then the back tire shot past the front of the car. The back left tire exploded. And down the highway, they somewhat went. Um, it was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. Uh, and we're going to... You know, I don't know what else more we can do about the Tigers. You know, Brett Camarley's fighting as hard as he can to try to flip that team around. There's rumblings now that Tim Sheens is maybe going to be appointed the new head coach of the team uh, in the near future. Um, I don't know why we're not dealing with Shane Flanagan or Christian Wolf. Um, but again, the Tigers are showing that you've got to be patient and strong to be a fan. And then finally, Broncos 32, Dragons 18, Sims and the Dragons trying to chop the little general in half. I don't know how many shots Adam Reynolds took to the ribs. Uh, Tarek Sims was enforcing at his tattooed best. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of Tarek Sims. You know, I told you when I met him, he was maybe one of the nicest guys I ever met. But uh, you would not want that guy hitting you in the ribs. Let me put it to you that way. But uh, the little general gets up and conducts maestro-ishly, I don't even think that's a word, but anyway, the Broncos getting a big victory and stopping the Dragons' uh, uh, win streak um, to kind of put things back in perspective. Now, what I want to do right now is I want to start in a little bit more detail about South Sydney and how big of a victory I think that was for their uh, remainder of this season, because down seven starters do the origin duty, and without halfback, halfback Lachlan Ilias, with that kind of really crazy uh, friendly fire shot that he took to the cheek, which ruled him out of the game in the first 20 seconds, um, the Rabbitohs overcame a 16-6 deficit. And that was the thing that I don't think we'd seen a lot during this season was, was South Sydney having that fight back, right? And and I think that's been something that, 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 that Rabbitohs fans, <clears throat> David, uh, have really taken in is that ability to never think that they're out of a match, right? 
Um, and they, they showed that. I'm saying Latrell was captaining the team for the first time in his history of being a Rabbitoh um, with, you know, so many guys out. And he really, I want to say that he played with that usual edge that Latrell plays with. Um, but he just kind of, he kind of just inspired that club. That club kind of felt angsty. You know what I'm saying? Like, South Sydney felt like they had an edge. And I don't think that we felt that. I, You know, I, I, I think that Latrell adds something to Cody Walker. He gives him a little bit of, you know, not that Cody needs anything to really fire him up. But I just think that they really work well with one another. And that was important. And then the, with the rollback days, rolling back the clock, Thomas Burgess, big Tommy Burgess, rolled over the nights. I'm saying 201 running meters. It's been a long time since Tom Burgess was the uh, the bulldozer and just the battering ram for, for, for South Sydney. But he did it. And um, it was, if you're a South Sydney fan, it really probably had to bring back some memories of, of, of Tommy Burgess kind of just running over people. But uh, this was the second victory in the row for the Rabbitohs since Luttrell came back. And, I, and when Luttrell ruled himself out of Origin 3, which a lot of people feel that he wasn't going to get picked anyway, but when he said that he owed this to South Sydney for them sending him to America, for them standing by him, uh, I think it shows a lot about Luttrell. I think it shows a Luttrell that is, I don't even know how you say this, has really kind of embraced um, his time with the Rabbitohs, and, and he wanted to show them what they mean to him. So after that second victory in a row now, this is going to cement South Sydney in the number seven position and give them a little bit of breathing room right now to stay in that top eight. And I think that is going to be key when it comes down to it because I think the Rabbitohs are about ready to go on a little bit of a run, uh, and I think that they... I think they could probably climb as high as fifth if they play, I think, the way that they could play uh, footy for the rest of this season. Now, after copying what they're saying, Brandon Smith anyway, maybe the most, how do we say this? Aggressive spray? Oh, let's say memorable spray. In his illustrious career, or at least recently, Craig Bellamy allegedly pulled paint off the walls after that last performance going into this last round for how the Melbourne Storm played defensively. Um, and if that was the worst spray that they think that they can remember for a while, um, we might be expecting rabbit spray two after the performance that the Melbourne Storm did against the Cronulla Sharks. Um, I was expecting, like I think the rest of the, of the rugby league world, were expecting that the Melbourne Storm were going to come firing out of the cannons and were just going to, how should I say, take out that angst on the Cronulla Sharks. The problem with this is some somebody forgot to tell Cronulla that Melbourne was coming to take them behind the woodshed and beat them to a senseless pulp. Because the Sharkies did what a lot of people thought Melbourne was going to do, and they took the storm to task. It was their first victory over a top-four side all season, and the Sharks got themselves a top-four scalp. And, and I've got to tell you, I did not see it coming. And then when Nico Hines... And Toby Rudolph were ruled out because of COVID. I really didn't think that 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 was going to be a good sign for the Sharks going forward. I you know I'm I'm a big fan of Trindle. I, I think the guy has all the potential in the world to be a, a top tier player in the NRL. But I just wasn't expecting the result we got. But I think I knew something was up from watching Andrew Fafita come running like it was five years ago. Like it was almost a 2016 grand final season for Cronulla. Because there was something about Andrew Fafita. He was a battering ram out there. Uh, he, 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 he looked like he wasn't running in pain. He looked like he was up for the fight. And it was almost like Andrew Fafita said, I know we've got two major guys out. I know Toby Rudolph isn't here. Somebody's got to pick up the baton and run. 
and he did. And it was it was really cool to see because I know the things that Andrew Fafita has been through recently. Um, some people say he's in some of the best shape that he's ever been in, uh, weight wise and in fit and 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 and, and health wise. So. That was awesome to see, and then you know Jesse Raymond continues to be a a, a try machine. Um, you know the Sharks put together a master class performance against a team that they have always seen as one of the most despised teams. I would say Cronulla plays against. I know there's a bit of rivalry between them and and St. George, but that's there's something there's some real deep deep seated dislike between these two teams. I guess you could say a lot of teams don't like the Melbourne Storm, but the Sharks really take it to task. And now with with you know players that used to be Melbourne Storm players now playing for the Sharks, I think that is even more of a uh, I don't know I don't want to say that it's a a, a a bad blood thing because I think that these players moving on Fanukin and 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 Nico there wasn't bad blood when those guys left. But I will say something right now though, Shedheads. Um, Cronulla kept the spotlight on the Melbourne Storm struggles. And that struggle right now is their defense. And this is something we don't say often. This is something that I don't know if we said for a long time. But in the last two games, the Melbourne Storm have allowed 64 points under a Craig Bellamy watch. And and I will tell you something right now. This is the stuff that causes them to be called bellyache. Because this is not going to go over well. Because Craig Bellamy knows the only way you're going to win the title, win the trophy, win the premiership, whatever you want to say, is you've got to have and you've got to play defense. And I'm sorry, Cameron Munster being in the side is not going to, quote-unquote, raise your defensive prowess that much. There are some real concerns uh, for the Melbourne Storm right now. And they're gonna have to they're gonna have to write it and write it quickly because this season there's a lot of teams that think that they've got a chance to at least be in the top four, let alone push for that for that title. I know Penrith has been far and above the best team so far this season and probably last season combined, maybe three seasons. But um, Melbourne's really got to look themselves in the mirror and they've got to do it very very quickly. Now. Cronulla's victory puts them in the top four, and it also puts them with the same record as the Melbourne Storm at 11-5. and five. So we are really going to come down the stretch here. Uh, in, 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 how should we say this? It's going to be a steel cage match to see who finishes in the top four. I know we can all feel that the top team will probably stay Penrith the whole rest of the way. But these other three teams are going to fight for that top four spot, and, and I'm going to say you got to throw... You know, I think the Roosters will be there in the end. I think Manly could be there in the end. There's going to be a lot of teams fighting uh, for that for those three, two, three, and four positions. So uh, Cronulla again helped cement themselves into that into that conversation. And I think uh, if they stay healthy uh, going forward, they're going to be right there when it's all said. Now, I know you you guys are going Shedadamas. That's great that you can cover the last four games from last week. But we know what we're all here for, and that's state of origin. Well, let's get into this. Origin game three. Now, Shedheads, I had told you, probably I think it was my last podcast on June 8th, that I looked on paper, and I looked at these two sides, the Blues and the Maroons, and I said, and I really felt that I thought the Maroons were going to win the series. I didn't think they were going to sweep by any means. But when I looked at those two rosters, I really thought that they really matched up evenly. And the only intangible, the only, I guess, question mark out of all of it was Billy Slater. But I will tell you one thing about State of Origin. It comes down to me four things. Heart camaraderie, execution, and will. Those four things are the things, when you put them all together, will win you an origin series. And I don't know if I've heard a first-year coach, and I've talked about Billy before, 
I've never been the biggest Billy Slater fan. And I shouldn't say as the man, not a fan, but he was always a thorn on my side because I've never been the biggest Melvin Storm fan, right? And this Billy Slater, never the biggest guy, always played about 25 to 30 pounds heavier than what he is and about three to four feet taller than what he is. Or I shouldn't say feet, inches, because that would make him a giant. He's always had that will, right? Billy has. He's always had that will. I have not, I'm not from Queensland. I don't bleed maroon. Um, but every time I hear him talk about what it means to be a Queenslander, what it means to put that maroon jersey on, and how he stays loyal to his team. Because a lot of times in origin, you see coaches, and not just Freddie Fittler, you see a lot of coaches do um, reflex decisions. Like, we lost one game by 12 points, we've got to make some snap changes, all right? And for me, the perfect example of that is just the nonstop, constant, freaking murmurs and whining that I've heard a lot of reporters talking about about Dane Gagai. Dane Gagai, Dane Gagai, Dane Gagai. His 18 missed tackles in in the first two games, right? And and I watched Cooper Cronk, and I and I watched Billy Slater laugh at people when they started to talk and call Dane Gagai into question. And what Cooper and Billy both said is, we will not make be making or Billy said we won't be making any changes. This is our club. And Cooper Cronk said. Dane Dane Gagai is one of the biggest gamers you'll ever see. And don't be surprised if you don't see him put together a a top-notch performance. But that's, to me, what, what changes it. You do not change your foundation. You don't give up on players that have produced for you. And I think that brotherhood, that 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 camaraderie thing, is what is missing from the blues. They've tried to do it. Freddie's changed the way that they train, changed the way they come together. And they brought, what, 92 players from Penrith? That's a joke. But they brought a lot of Penrith into this team. And that's good. That's, that's really cool. But there's still a difference in that feeling of those two clubs. There's a, there's a, a, a deep down belief that they will find a way to to come out on top. And let me tell you something. If they have a chance to play you at Suncorp Stadium for the decider, there's a reason that the Blues have only won two of those deciders in Queensland. Because they are like a, a rabid animal backed into a corner that you're backing into their den. They are not going to let you, one, take their den... And two, you're not going to come out of there unless you're bloody and bruised. No matter what. No matter if you have the better team, no matter if you're 50 pounds, they're going to take you into the deep end and they're going to put you up in a fight. And that's what we watched. That's what we watched this game. That's what we watched in game one. And that's kind of what we watched in game two until the send-off, and they played with 12 men and just got tired. It was something special, shitheads. And after last night's 22-12 to victory, um, you know, I think we got the answers on Billy Slater, and I think we got the answers on what it feels like to be a Queenslander. And I know I've got a lot of friends that are Blues fans. Um, I've got a lot of friends in the Sydney area. And I think when a team has that, I don't know, that that hoodoo over you about coming to play in their, their backyard, even if, if some people felt the Blues had the better team, I don't know how many people really believe they were going to go up to Suncorp and win that game. So let's break this down really quick. And this is what makes the victory for Queensland even more incredible. The Maroons played without Felice Cafusi, who was on leave in the United States for a family ailment. They were without Cameron Munster and Murray Talangi because of being ruled out due to COVID. 
All right? So that means that you've got to fill players in quickly, right? That's a quick call-up, a call to arms, as we would say, right? Tommy Dearden and Corey, the Brisbane Bronco himself, come in to camp and slot into these positions of these two all-stars that are going to be missing. And in front of 52,385 people, we maybe saw the most brutal opening five minutes in state of origin history. Because in those first five minutes, we lost Cameron Murray, Selwyn Cabo, and Lindsey Collins. Boom, boom, boom. They went down. And when you hear guys that have played the game, Joey Johns, um, Cameron Smith described that they may have never seen any type of start to an origin game like that for injury. You knew that you were going to have to, you were getting ready to watch something that was going to be special because these two teams were going to have to dig down deep. They were going to have to make changes on the fly and they were going to have to adapt to what they were handed with these losses. And I think the guy that stood up the quickest and that put a lot of people, especially if you wore a maroon jersey, let you take a deep breath with Tommy Dearden. And the crazy thing is, and we're not going to go into in-depth detail about Tommy Dearden because you guys will be here with me all night. But Tom Dearden left Brisbane after being anointed as the second coming of a guy in a long flowing cloak that could walk on water. Tommy Dearden was supposed to be the it guy going forward for the Brisbane Broncos. And then all of a sudden he wasn't. And then all of a sudden he's gone. And all of a sudden then he's at the rival club for North Queensland. And everyone said that Tommy Dearden, you know, he he's just not a dynamic player. He's not, you know, extremely fast. You know, he, he doesn't have a, a Brad Fittler right step. He's just, you know, he's Tommy Dearden. And... North Queensland brought in Chad Townsend to kind of stabilize, to kind of give him that, that soundboard across. Well, Shedheads, I'm going to tell you right now, that young man who came out on the field to take Cameron Munster's position was a warrior yesterday. So much of a warrior, he set up the first try of the game, setting up his teammate Val Holmes with a beautiful cutout pass. And when he made that pass and he took the line on and made it, I knew that Tommy Dearden was not, this, this, this stage wasn't too big for him. He was ready for what was going to be handed to him. And then when you hear Billy talk about after the game, he talked about going to, to Tommy Dearden's room when he was going to let him know that he was going to be his 5 eighth. And Tommy Dearden said, I will not let you down, Billy. I will not let you down. That tells you a lot about that young man. That tells you a lot. And then it tells you so much. So when you look at those numbers, he finishes with 103 running meters, one line break, one line break assist, one try assist, four tackle breaks. And this is the big thing about getting dirty. 29 tackles made by Tommy Dearden. And last time I checked, I think you've all seen him, Shedheads. Tommy Dearden isn't the biggest guy. He's not the biggest guy on the planet. And he still did that. That showed you the heart of what all of those guys stand up and say, the heart of a Queenslander. He just played. He, he just left it all on the field for his brothers there. And then the Blues took it back. Because no matter how much I talked up Queensland to start this, New South Wales is a juggernaut right now. I'm saying those boys for Penworth are no joke. And they looked like they had taken the game back, taken control of it, and scored two tries in the in the 31st minute, excuse me, in the 18th and 31st minute to go up 12-6, right? And it looked like the Blues were getting that swagger back on, that, that, that Suncorp wasn't going to be too much for them, that they were going to be good to go. But to me, the thing that changed the entire game was Kurt Capewell's try right before half. And it just changed the whole complexion of the feeling going into the sheds. Yes, Val missed the conversion. It was still 12-10. Blues were on top. 
but for some reason didn't feel like the Blues were on top. It felt like they were just holding back an oncoming storm. And that's kind of what we found out when the second half started. Because the Blues came out and for some reason didn't let the game come to them. They pressed. And when teams press, they make mistakes. They make handling mistakes. They make passing errors. They just do things that are out of character. Especially when you're a team that's as good as this New South Wales Blues club has been. They just, I don't know, was it the the, the ambiance of, of, of Suncorp Stadium? I don't know if it, it was that they really felt the weight of the ghosts that, that, that run around in that stadium. I don't know. But the unforced errors put them under defensive pressure way more than they probably should have been in that second half. And then Kalen Ponga, who was, who was named player of the game, scoring the go-ahead try in the 60th minute. Um, I've got to say, it's been a while since I've seen Kalen Ponga playing this brand of dangerous footy. Because this was the Kalen Ponga of two to three years ago that everyone had as the guy. The guy. Where's Kalen Ponga going to go? Is he staying with Newcastle? This guy is special. This is the new face of the NRL, right? That was that guy that we saw last night. Because every time Kalen Ponga's hands touched the ball, he was looking to take the line on, he was trying to put steps on, and he was playing tough. Tough. And Billy Slater also said after the game that the person that he was not worried about was Kalen Ponga. And probably this three-game last month and a half experience for Kalen Ponga to be coached by Billy Slater could be the thing that changes and gets his career back going on the right foot again. Because he played like a man out there last night. And he finished with, you know, some incredible numbers. I just, you know, when, when you finish with 262 running meters and the only other guy on the field that surpasses you is, is Teddy, you've done something special. And I will say that even though Teddy was efficient as usual, there was a different sense of danger any time Kalen touched the ball. And then it finishes after that try, giving them the lead for the first time, that the game was sealed away by the guy that you'd have to say is the heartbeat of the Maroons at this current time, and that's Ben Hunt. Benny Hunt, who for some reason always seems like he's the odd man out, right? He's He can never be good enough to play in the halves. We know that he's not a dummy half by trade. But what... Billy did not hesitate for a second to say that, that this guy is going to be my dummy half. And he's not even playing in his position, right? But that's what he did. Because he just knows what this guy brings to this club. He knows it. And that to me is the thing about an origin coach. You've got to know deep down who to play, when to play them, and how to play them. And I told you, Shedheads, back after the, the teams were named for origin one, Brad Fiddler made a mistake by not naming Jake Travojevich and Josh Adokar in that team one side. Because I do feel that they had a better chance to win and want and, and to win game one with those two guys in the lineup. And they didn't do it. Okay? But that to me goes back to what I just said. The loyalty that the that the Maroons coaching staff, whatever you want to say, the decisions they make. Because if Adokar and Shravojevic were Maroons. There's no way on this planet that those two wouldn't have been in the lineup playing for, for Queensland without thinking twice. And to me, that is the difference in the two clubs, in the two sides. But back to Benny Hunt. So Benny Hunt takes a point-blank kick from Nathan Cleary and somehow catches it and then runs away 70 meters being chased and outruns everybody to nail down the final try to hand the trophy and the shield back to the Maroons. 
And that's not even talking about the huge 40-20 that he kicked earlier in the game. It, if you didn't have a dog in the fight, it was one of the most inspirational victories that I think I remember seeing a club have. And I think it's just as demoralizing for the Blues because on paper, the betters, the gamblers, whatever you want to say, none of them thought that the Blues were going to lose that match, especially when you ruled out Munster and, 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 and you know, Kafusi was out and those guys were not in the side. Patrick Kerrigan becomes the first debutante to, to win the Wally Lewis medal. And I think, you know, again, this is why the fortunes of North Queensland and Brisbane are so much trending upward and are on the rise. Because the youth they have at those clubs and the belief they have, believing in Peyton and and believing in in Kevy, these two clubs are gonna be doing something, I think, this year in the finals. I think they are going to they're gonna they're gonna get their their amount of blood. Um so Bringing to an end, State of Origin, an incredible series for the for the Maroons. Congratulations to Queensland, to the Toads. Um, it may have been the greatest game of footy I've seen probably since Game 3, Origin 2012, when I really thought that the Blues, when they were playing with Todd Carney in the halves, um, had a really good chance to win that Game 3. Uh, and they and and it was just the will of Queensland and Cooper Cronk that 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 did not allow them to get over the top. So um, great origin series. Uh, both teams have every reason to be proud of their performance. But again, the Maroons just rise to the top at all the right times. So congratulations to Queensland. Now, as we do a few stories for the NRL, uh, the Warriors have named themselves their a new coach. They got themselves a new coach, Shedheads. Um, Andrew Webster has been named the coach starting for 2023 for the New Zealand Warriors. Webster, right now an assistant with the Penrith Panthers, has signed a three-year deal uh, to be the new skipper in charge for Penrith. Um, so I, I, I guess that's a good call. I do always find it strange that there are no New Zealand coaches to coach the the Warriors, but um, you know I, I don't think it is a a a a, a coaching um, hire that is that is that is shaken the world of of rugby league to the core for naming uh, Webster as the head coach. But we'll have to see what he can do because he's going to have to really try to do something to keep some of the talent in New Zealand that somehow gets out of the country and makes it to Australia. And then finally, Brandon Smith. The hectic cheese went hectically crazy against Cronulla and has been slapped with a three-game ban for calling the referee during the Sharks match a cheating bastard and getting sent to the sin bin for 10. Uh, Well, it looks like it's going to be a little bit longer than 10 minutes because it's three games. Um, They were trying to get four. Uh, Brandon Smith's team was trying to get two. So they met in the middle by getting a three-game suspension. So we will not be seeing the hectic cheese in the side for Melbourne, a side that's been struggling, uh, and is and he's a key player um, that adds some some punch out of the thirteen and sometimes out of the nine. So um, going to be interesting to see what Bellyache does to try to cover up that that missing position and that missing player in the hectic cheese. Now let's go into some round 18 breakdown. Let's let's do some picks. I know it's been a while. I know some of you guys are probably in a little bit of money debt because of the shed Adamas not being there. Well, let's let's try to let's try to write that shit. Friday, starting off in a matter of hours, we've got the Sharks versus the Cows up in Townsville. I'm going with the Cows. I'm not betting against Toddy Payton's boys for a while until they show me other reason. And then we have the Warriors and the Eels. Um, even though the, the the Eels didn't do the most, I don't I don't want to say one of the most beautiful performances. Even though it was funny to see uh, Brad with his Jedi hood on during the whole match. Uh, I'm going to go with the Eels over the Warriors. Saturday, Dragons versus the Roosters, a classic matchup. I'm going to take the Roosters over the Dragons. 
Then Knights versus the Sea Eagles. Uh, I don't know if DCE is going to play in that match, but I am still going to take the Sea Eagles over the Knights. And following up and finishing up Saturday, we've got the Broncos versus the Titans. Another derby up there uh, in Queensland, and I'm going to go with the Broncos over the Titans. Sorry about that, Justin Holbrook. Sunday, Panthers versus the Tigers. Do I, do I really have to pick that one? I'm going Panthers. Raiders versus the Storm. I think Bellyache does get them turned on and switched on. I'm taking the Storm over the Raiders, even though that could be my toss-up of the round. And then finally, Rabbitohs versus the Bulldogs. And this is when I freaking flip on a dime, and I'm taking the Doggies and Josh Adokar to pull the upset over the Rabbitohs. Now, as we go into our other passion, and that is the world of the AFL, we go on the mark. We had some some real key victories for this last round, and some 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 developing situations that come to came to pass because of this last round. But Cats ninety one, Demon sixty three. The Cats take over the top spot on the ladder with that victory over the D's, and look like that they may be possibly the form team in the competition. But I think that is going to be a precursor to some, some finals footy right there with that one. Swans 120, Bulldogs 67. Uh, the Swannies handed the Dogs their second loss in a row and really put uh, the Bulldogs in some strife to try to make the top eight. Magpies 88, Ruse 81. Um, you know what? That's a sad one because that was the best game the Ruse have played for a very long time and it still wasn't enough to save their coach. Suns 94, Tigers 92. The Suns rallied from 40 points down to get the victory over the Tigers in the Chole Bowl. And we're going to talk about this one in more detail. Dockers 111, Saints 70. Nat Fife back and firing. It's good to see that. Um, You know what? He believed in himself and he's back. But the Dockers now are eyeing that top two position. Power 84, Giants 29. Port keeping their slim, uh, you know, finals hopes alive with that victory. Bombers 100, Lions 90. Maybe the definitely the upset of the round, even though the Lions are playing um, undermanned, uh, a lot of injuries. Uh, the Bombers still get the, the the 10 point victory. Hawks 86, Crows 54. Uh, Hawks soar over the Crows uh, and getting that uh, behind Lewis's five goals, getting the victory. Blues won 16, Eagles 53. Kernow uh, and McKay each kick five as the Eagles continue their downward spiral into oblivion with another loss for the West Coast Eagles. Now, I want to talk about a couple different of these matches. Uh, the Geelong match, to me, was the thing that was the most impressive because... Geelong is now back on the top of the table, Shedheads. And I I know if you're not a Geelong fan, if you don't like the hoops, um, it's got to be tough. But they take the top spot after winning their seventh game in a row and beating the defending champions by 28 points. And, and I think when you look at the way that Geelong has played, I'm saying they've kept that winning streak even without Patrick Dangerfield being in the side as he's been resting up and trying to recover. And it was a gutsy move holding out Danger. It was a gutsy move not playing him. Uh, you know, because you're going to try to tell me a, 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 any type of club playing with a 60% Danger field isn't still a better club. Well, they still made that decision to rest him, let him get away for a while. And I think Dangerfield is playing that back in spades. Because, again, he's starting to look like the Patty Dangerfield that we hadn't seen this season. 32 disposals in that in this match. And then the at his running best. And that's when you know Dangerfield is feeling it, is when he's running. And he's running with a little bit of an edge and a little bit of a, a little bit of hate in his heart, as we would say. Because he racked up 702 running meters or meters gain, however you want to say it, uh, in this match against the Demons. Uh, you know that he took that on playing against, you know, Petraka. Uh, and, and some of the guys that are now trying to solidify themselves as being some of the top guys uh, in the game. So seeing Dangerfield do that really makes you think that the Cats may be on to something and may have a deep, deep title push this season. Now the D's, here's a good thing about if you're a D's fan. They never gave up in this match. And after the a Petraka goal, they were within you know one goal 
of being back on top in this match. Um, but the Cats showed their steel. The Cats showed that they're a veteran club and they're smart. Uh, and they kicked the final three goals to kind of pull away and to kind of solidify the victory. I will tell you this right now, Shedheads. I sense and I feel that this is going to be a September sh uh, precursor. This was a little bit of a uh, a little appetizer for what we're probably going to see uh, for some finals footy. But if that's the case, I'm beyond looking forward to some finals. Now, I said it earlier. I'm going to say it again. The Chole Bowl kicked off. Maribar Chol getting ready to take on his old club, the Richmond Tigers, in maybe the biggest victory for the for the Suns, and one of the, maybe one of the most disheartening losses for the Tigers, because behind Chol's three goals, the Suns overcame a forty point deficit and ripped out the Tigers' heart by. Noah Anderson kicking a goal after the siren. I'm going to say something. In all the sports, that goal after the siren might be one of the most painful things I've seen for a very long time, no matter what team you're rooting for. Because I've seen some clubs just crumble to the carpet after a goal that was after the siren. Because you've played all the way through full time, and you should be able to celebrate, and instead... A kick after the siren costs you a victory. It's gut-wrenching. And I got to tell you something. It was very much not a Richmond Tigers performance that I'm used to seeing. Because the Tigers took a 28-point lead into the, into the fourth quarter and had multiple chances in that fourth quarter to ice the game away, to put, put the Suns on ice, to unplug that heat from the Sun. But they couldn't do it. And that, to me, tells me something. Because Richmond is a lethal assassin in the past when they've won flags, when they've had a chance to put teams away. And they couldn't do it. They had some pretty easy chances to, to slot some goals, to win that, and they just couldn't do it. And that, that's going to be something that could haunt Richmond when it comes late in this, in this regular season when it comes to finals footy, because this is a victory. They may look back and say they needed this. But the win evens the Suns' record at 8-8, eight and eight, lets them continue to believe that they have a chance to play some finals footy, and it drops the Tigers to 8th position with a 9-7 and seven record and really gives them some work they are going to have to do because... In the loss, Tom Lynch was also lost to a hamstring strain. Um, it's not sounding like it's severe, severe. But whenever you start getting hamstring ailments, everybody who knows sport knows that, that until the end of the season, there's always a chance that that hamstring could be injured a little bit more. Um, the big question to me is, what does Richmond do now this coming weekend? They're playing, they're playing a very dangerous club. In North Melbourne, the Ruse, after a coaching change, which we're going to talk about here shortly, are going to play a a spirited brand of football that, that the Tigers are going to have to go up against. And the Tigers probably want a match right now that's not going to, how should I say, trouble them too much. Maybe a match where they can put it in third gear instead of fifth to try to get the victory because not this weekend, but in two weeks, they've got Fremantle. And they're going to need all hands on deck to beat the Dockers if they're going to get a victory against Fremantle. So it's going to be an interesting week for Richmond. Um, and it's going to be an interesting week for Gold Coast because the Suns are going to match up and are going to have to show that they have not missed a beat because they've got a big, big time tussle against the Bombers who have played some good footy recently. Now, Speaking of teams that are going to have to battle back and, and are looking up at the table, or I should say the top eight, the Western Bulldogs. The Bulldogs have a key match, key, key match this weekend uh, that they have to win. They've got to take on St. Kilda, and the Saints have to have this victory as much as the Bulldogs have to have this victory. But the Doggies 
have an ace up their sleeve because club icon Bailey Smith is coming back from his four-game suspension from headbutts and booger sugar. That's right. The divine, the divine mullet is coming back to try to get the victory for the dogs. And I'm going to say something right now. I think the loser of this match between the dogs and the Saints is out of finals contention. That's how big of a match I think this is right now. Pin this, mark this, Shedheads. That is how big this is going to be right now. So make sure that you watch this one this weekend because, yes, besides the flowing locks running around in dogs in a dog's Guernsey, uh, we're going to see a match that I think both teams are going to be fighting for their finals lives. Now, as I try to talk and, and keep outside the sheds as, as positive and as bubble as we can, I know we started it off with a, a tough topic with COVID. Well, we're going to have to embrace another tough topic, and that is racism. Something that I don't put up with, something that to me is maybe one of the stupidest things on this planet. We all know that we're human beings, and for 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 one race, one group of people to think that they're better than another group because they want to get their tan from laying out in the sun than just being over another group that doesn't have to lay out in the sun because they already are naturally tan makes no sense to me whatsoever. I've never understood racism. Trust me, humans will give you enough reason to hate them than hating them for a reason because of something they can't control. So, I go into that diatribe because racism has shown its, its its ugly face again in the AFL. Fremantle's Michael Walters and Michael Frederick have both been put in the crosshairs of these mindless cowards um, who want to attack them on social media. And for no other reason but because of something they came out of the womb with, and that's natural pigmentation of the skin. I'll never understand it, like I said, to start this out. It makes no sense. And, and it's sad that we still, in this day and age, still talk about it. But racism has not gone anywhere. Racism will probably never go anywhere because human beings have to always try to find a reason to dislike another human being and want to feel better about themselves no matter what. And so they're always going to find a scapegoat. And they're always going to find a, a, a group of people um, to try to just cast hatred on and it's disgusting and I hope they say Fremantle has, has turned in some information to these police officers um, uh, for, for the WA to maybe go after these people that have done this but I hope that they are outed I hope that their names are all over social media I hope they're attacked for being the goons and I'm not even going to say goons because that's a good term, a good term for certain groups of people uh that, that make a living with that terminology. But cowardice, cowards, spineless. There are some good words we can use. But I hope that these guys are outed, these people are outed, and so we can give them our own bit of social media love and hate right back. So um, stay strong, uh, Michael 2.0, Walters and Frederick, um, and know that there are still plenty of good people that don't accept this hatred, and we'll always fight against it. Now, finishing out the stories for the AFL for this week on Outside of the Sheds, we've got to go into detail about what we talked about earlier and that the North, that the, the Roos have finally changed their lead Rue. I guess we'll say it that way. But, um, you know, after that gutsy performance they put in against the Pies this weekend, I thought that... Uh, that David Noble might have held on to his job. I thought that he might have done enough. I didn't know how long he was going to hold on to it, but I knew that I thought that he was not going to get canned after the best performance that the Ruse have had for a long time. Well, it shows you what I know, shitheads, because uh, as of Tuesday, he's out of a job. He's been, how should I say, let go, resigned, whatever you want to say, but the David Noble era is over for North Melbourne. Um, the Roos are on a 14-game losing streak. 
And Noble, since he was hired in 2021, has only won five of his 38 matches at the helm of the club. So, you know, the writing's on the wall. You can't have that type of um, lackluster play and continue to hold on to a job in the top flight. You just can't. So, I know uh, David Noble tried his best. I think a lot of people feel that his downfall might have been that spray that he did to the club after the Brisbane Lions loss. But um, going forward, it looks like Lee Adams has been named the interim coach for the Ruse. And so this is the man who's going to lead the Ruse into battle this week against the Richmond Tigers. So we'll have to see if this change uh, at the helm makes a difference or if the Ruse will continue to wallow in mediocrity, I guess, or below mediocrity, right? So let's go into some picks. You know, we were strong going into the break, going to vacation, whatever. Let's see if we can pick right back up with round 18 picks. Friday, we have the Saints versus the Dogs, the match that I was talking about uh, just a little bit earlier. I think a match that's going to see one team plummet and fall out of titles contention or or finals contention. Uh, I'm taking the Dogs over the Saints. Then we also have on Friday, Magpies versus the Crows. I'm going to go with the Pies over the Crows. And then Lions versus the Giants. I'm taking the Lions in that. Saturday, Tigers versus the Ruse. This is one I I almost picked the Ruse, but I'm going to think that Richmond, after that loss, uh, Dima's going to get in there and really get the boys fired up to play the Ruse, to let them know how important and how dangerous of a team this is after a coaching change. But I'm taking the Tigers. Cats versus the Blues. I think after that that stunning victory, I shouldn't say stunning, after that big victory over the Ds, I think there will be a little bit of a letdown, and I'm taking the Blues for the upset over the Cats. Swans versus the Dockers. I'm taking the Dockers just because the match is out in the WA, and I think that uh, Fremantle sees second place in their, in their crosshairs. I think they feel that they're a top-two team, and I think they're going to show it. Eagles versus the Hawks. Uh, yeah, I'm taking Hawthorne. Sunday, Power versus the Demons. I know Port's played well. I know that they are really up against it and need victories, but I still think the Ds are going to rebound after their loss to the Cats. And then finally, Suns versus the Bombers. You know, I got caught earlier in the season. I was all on the Suns train. Well, I'm not leaving the Suns train. I'm taking the Suns over the Bombers. We haven't done it for a while, Shedheads, but here they are, the guns. Or I'm sorry about that. I've, 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 I've slipped. The guns. My number one gun for the week, Kalen Ponga. One try, 262 running meters, three line breaks, 16 tackle breaks, and two tackles made. My number two gun, James Tedesco, 292 running meters, one line break, seven tackle breaks, and three tackles made. And then finally, I can't not pick the man that gave it its name, the Chol Bowl. Maybe our Chol, three goals, two behinds, nine disposals, seven kicks, two handballs, four marks, 139 meters gained. It's all Chol. And that, Shedheads, is our NRL, AFL breakdown. For this last week. Now when we go outside the bubble. uh, It's a very very quiet time. Uh, I I don't go too in depth here about the frozen pond. But free agency has kicked off. And some major signings. Uh, Johnny Goudreau just got done signing. uh, Out of the blue with the Columbus Blue Jackets. I think no one saw that coming. I thought that he was going back to New Jersey. uh, His hometown. But Johnny Goudreau has shocked the NHL world. And is signed with the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, I know since I have been on break, uh, Kevin Durant has said that he wants out of Brooklyn. I don't know if that's going to happen. I know it looks more like Kyrie is going to be gone. But uh, Kevin Durant wants out. That hasn't been finalized yet. We're still seeing who the players are on the field to try to get KD out of Brooklyn. And then finally, I know for all of you golf heads... Uh, Braithanasta people. Uh, we've got the British Open starting tomorrow. Uh, Tiger allegedly looking strong. Um, 
right now it looks like, I, I guess, I don't really know. I'm not a golf guy. Um, but I know that um, the shark, the great, the great white shark was not invited to the Masters dinner, um, the British Open dinner, which is going to leave some, some feathers ruffled. But uh, if you love your golf, here comes the maybe one of the most fun tournaments because it's the most miserable conditions a lot of times. The British Open starts tomorrow. But Shedheads, that brings to a close my out of the out of the basement uh, uh, first episode back to outside the sheds. Uh, I've missed you guys. Uh, it's good to be back. It's good to be back healthy. Um, but until next week, stay out of trouble. Don't get caught. You've listened again to Outside the Sheds. I'm your host, Corey Jackson. Until next week, see ya. And that was another fantastic episode of Outside the Sheds with Corey Jackson, talking all things NRL, AFL, and all things sports. So please remember to smash the subscribe button and share this with your family and friends and show them what Australian sport is all about.